Hi everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. In part 3, we embark on a fascinating exploration of the future of AI and its potential implications on humanity. Denise challenged our perceptions and offered a unique perspective on the delicate balance between technology and humanity in an AI-driven world. If you missed that thought-provoking episode, I encourage you to go back and catch up on Denise's unconventional views. Now, as we transition into part 4, get ready to delve even deeper into the captivating world of AI with Denise Rothman. This episode promises to be a profound journey that unravels the essence of humanity, challenging ice promise of happiness and exploring the power of human intervention. Denise will take us on an enlightening exploration of the role of large language models, the distinction between creativity and happiness, and the potential risks of a technology-dependent society. We'll dive into fascinating discussions on AI-generated artwork, the scarcity of raw materials essential for AI system, and the challenges of colonizing Mars. Denise will share his expertise and thought-provoking insights, encouraging us to question traditional notions and offering a fresh perspective on the future of AI. So, don't miss out on part 4 of this captivating podcast series with Denise Raveman. Tune in now and join us on an extraordinary journey that challenges conventional thinking and invites us to embrace the complexities and possibilities of AI. Get ready for an episode that will captivate your imagination and leave you pondering the essence of humanity in an increasingly AI-driven world. So you don't think that eventually AI will become like a generative AI, like super AI in a sense? Things like, no, what's going to happen is, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Yes, please. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. If you have artificial intelligence system that begin, that human beings begin to detect as something that is a threat, then ex- expect electricity shortages, internet cut off, expect groups of people that will destroy anything that looks like it. Okay. And it, far before it becomes anything that looks like a terminator. And the other question is, where are you going to get the raw material? Where do you get the computer chip? Right now, everyone's focused on the Asia because everything, all the data chips come from Asia, okay? If you talk about Taiwan, I'm talking about GPUs. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about GPUs. I'm talking about rare minerals. I'm talking about China. That's why everyone's focused on that because they have the rare minerals and they have the computer chip. So where do you get the computer chips to do all that? And there's so many poor people. You, you'll get revolution before people are hungry. There's a lot of social unrest in Western countries. Human beings, we have big problems to solve, like climate change. What use is it going to be in going to Mars? We should live on Mars. You live on Mars? You know that you can't live on Mars? You know that to have an atmosphere, you have to have an iron core. The Earth has an iron core that creates an electromagnetic field 
that protects us. It's not the atmosphere. People are oh, protected by the atmosphere. You're protected by the geomagnetic protection around the Earth due to your iron core. If that doesn't exist, the atmosphere would disappear in 15 minutes. So on Mars, how are you going to create that atmosphere with no iron core? So where are we going to live? It cracked because every day you're hit by a thing. And there are earthquakes all the time on these. Even on the moon, there are a lot of problems. So we, we can't go live there. So Elon Musk is an industrial genius, but don't listen to him when he's speaking because the only thing that's going to go there are robots. There'll be robots everywhere in space. Robots on the moon, on Mars, on asteroids, picking all the minerals to make billionaires into trillion, trillion, trillionaires. Okay, there'll be trillions. There's nothing to be, not be people, but not in, we're thinking of on Earth. Cold. What happens if you go to Mars and there's a psychopath? I don't know about that. What if you go to Mars and all of a sudden there's a uh, COVID times 10, another violent Because we live on this planet because even in the bad times, we help each other because it takes the whole planet to solve a problem. So uh, the guy has a heart attack on Mars. He needs the best specialists in the New York hospital. What do you need to do? Send him back? Two years. Okay. We'll send you back. Solve the problem too. I, the future is robots. Robots everywhere. Robots on battlefield. Robot. We see the drones already are yeah. virtual robot. Robots everywhere. But they're not going to. They're not going to dominate us because we're going to. We're going to cut the electricity off or blow up the factory that manufactured computer chips. Human beings are the most dangerous creatures on earth, and there's no way you can underestimate them. Don't underestimate. Any species that underestimated human doesn't exist. Even human beings between. We're very dangerous. So I'm not, I don't fear that some kind of super thing is going to take over because we'll destroy it before. We're very good at destruction. I, I think I agree with you. I think that human mankind trial history are known to be as we, we fight among ourselves. But let's think about the bright side of it. Let's say a fresh graduate or people who came out of school, like you mentioned, with higher education, and you want to be an artificial talent or worker in the future, what is your tips for them? The first thing before going out of school is to enjoy artificial intelligence. Is to play around with Dali, play around with ChatGPT. Do not underestimate Google. Google is making thousands of times more money than OpenAI. OpenAI is not making. Google is making a lot of money. Apple is making a lot of money. And they're not copying. They're earning the money. They have ChatGPT, who has the same algorithms inside the recommended. But they're just making a lot of money out. China has extremely powerful artificial intelligence. It's not on social media. So OpenAI just opened the door to social media. But what I'm saying is the student should enjoy himself. First, as a student, you enjoy yourself. You want to play with it. You want it to become fun. You want to play around with algorithms. You want to see their limits. And once you reach the limit, we'll find, maybe I'll find a way to take it beyond the limit. Maybe I can write the algorithm even on a piece of paper and suggest it to open AI or Google. Or maybe I'll just use AI as a tool. Maybe I'll just go get a nice job with an average salary, not too many hours. That's the French, many French engineers think like it. If you think a French engineer, think an American engineer, maybe you want to go, boom, I don't know, to see Tesla. Yeah. And French engineer, he's the first thing to ask is, how many hours am I working for a week? Okay. If you're a woman, how long do I get when I have a baby? Now, the men have the same rights in France. 
the younger generation's looking for light, not for work. So this is why there are a lot of riots right now in France about retirement age. So I would say have fun. Enjoy your life. Go to the movie. Go see friends. Have a nice dinner. Don't worry about it. And have fun with artificial intelligence to the extent where you'll be able to share your passion with your future customers or employees. They're going to say, oh, this guy, he likes art. He's a nice guy to work with. He really likes it. He has all these ideas. And then at the same time, be very efficient. Be efficient in the sense of mastering science, mastering everything to the detail, doing math and math. Artificial intelligence and math. Doing a lot of math, not just programming. Do the math before the programming. Try to write all the algorithms down a piece of paper. Doing it with the math. And once you understand the math, artificial intelligence, great to say, is nearly a joke. It can, once basic math, derivatives and things like that, very easy. The math of artificial intelligence, very, it can be complex. You can go up to master's level for some parts, but it's never going to reach the research level of, like we have a fields medalist in France called Giovanni. Oh. When you talk, when he talks, yeah, we, France is one of the countries. If you look at the number of field medalists per country in the world, you're going to see that France is almost equal with the United States. Yeah. With a population of only 70 million, facing 30 million. And out of those few medalists, how much, how many were really American or like football players? How many here came? So France has a lot of math. And you know, when he speaks about artificial intelligence, it's about it takes him five minutes. He said, yeah, okay, all these algorithms, you take the data and quadrant, be there and it'll predict something that existed before, but it'll never invent anything new. Okay, maybe people should know about this better. Now can we talk about something else? So it's a tool. It's a very fantastic. So the student needs to understand that the essence of who he is, or who she is, or Bishu, or whatever you want to call yourself, or it, or they, or whatever you want to be today. That, in fact, that's an interesting comment. When focused on who he is, gender, and all that. Because identity, people there are two sides to that. Is it woke? Well, is there an identity crisis in our society? Are we too manufactured the Pink Floyd song, Bits in the Wall? So human beings in the Western world maybe are not so woke. They say, you're going to call me what I want because I'm a person. And I want to be called it, she, they, or whatever. I'm not a brick in the wall. You're not going to just put a name on me, a label. No, I'm changing that label. I'm who I want. So... Part of it is something difficult to accept for a lot of people to say that's not another part, part of an identity crisis. So the person that's learning AI must retain identity. And that's very important. So if the patient can have fun, retain its she or whatever identity, and show I have an identity. I'm going to go to work. I'm a man. I'm going to go to work tomorrow with a skip and a blue wig. And you're going to call me she. I'm Dennis, but tomorrow you're going to call me Patricia. It seems crazy, but at the same time, you're showing people that you're not a, just a little brick there. You're not just a, a part of an algorithm. You're a real human being. So that's interesting. So the person should have fun, identity, and be extremely efficient in math, in implementing, no nonsense, no hype, no buzz, creating the tool to analyze a function and not dream about all that stuff people are talking about, just get things done for the company. 
and then quickly go home to your, to your close one. Yep. So your three tips was have fun, retain your identity, and be good at math. What about be efficient? At, oh, efficient when you deliver it. Yeah. Be efficient. Okay. Let's say the other audience out there, which is like the business leaders or corporations listening to this podcast, what are your tips for them to start applying digital transformation and large language model? Where should they start or how should they think about it in that sense? Yeah, I've done this many times because this, I've been selling artificial intelligence for all my life. The first thing to do for a CEO is to the person we just talked about that is efficient. It knows no efficient, no hype, no buzz, that has an identity and has fun doing it. And then what you have to do first, I'm sorry I can say this, and I've been at many times, just think of paperboard and find the basic flow of your company. What is it? What do you, what, how do you sell? What, I don't know, in four or five lines of grass, what is your company? What are you, and where are you, where do you, where are you losing money? It's the money. It's like you're talking about cash flow or workflow or what kind of flow? I'll tell you how I got, you're saying how I got my first checks. Yeah. The one with ACFA. I went to see ACFA and in my competition, I had all these big universities and I had these corporations. And I say, where are you losing money the most? And they were losing money on silver because in those days, the photography using a lot of silver. And they say, what if I saved 1% of your world connection? And you see 1% of all the silver you're buying in the year. Wow. So I can do it with artificial intelligence. I'm in 1991. Okay. And I said, I can do that with artificial intelligence. So what I'm saying is you have to look where the person is going to read something to earn money. And to, 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 because it's going to sort of cost a lot of money to do art, real artificial intelligence. Yeah. Not giving, but real. So you would say... I would say if you, I'm going to earn you, I can save you $5 million. How are you going to do that? So how, so I, in fact, we saved more because then I partnered with IBM. We saved far more than $5 million. We're talking tens of millions of dollars. So I said, first of all, I said, first of all, don't believe me. And what? I said, I finally sitting in your shoes. And I was talking to one of the general managers of world. I wouldn't believe someone that just came up. I was young and told me something like that. And first of all, don't believe me. This is science. Chase, how are we going to do this? We're going to write a contract and you're going to give me that much money if it's true in one year. Because if you sell it, you short sell it, then you just, no, I'm getting, I'm, I wanted, I need a lot of money at that time to pay for my mortgage. So I'm saying, you won't pay me for one year, but after one year, we're going to have these financial controls with IBM and we're going to get this percentage of what we're, making, we're helping you earn. So first you're looking for where the person can save a lot of money. And then you're going to say, we're going to cost a proportion of that. And you're going to give me, that cost is going to be the proportion of what we're saving. So the only driver is finance. It's not, what can the, what can it be? More sales or less cost? What else? What do you want to offer a company? More sales, less cost, more productivity. But if you can say, oh, well, they give you this nice chat problem put on your website, it'll cost you $100,000. Okay, and how much am I going to earn with? Oh, nothing. But it looks so nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. The door is over there. If you will, so I'll show you something you haven't been seen in the door. You see that door? You go out of it and never come back. Okay? Because CEOs give you like five minutes, often less. 
Ultimately, you have one minute, maybe you have 10 seconds before they get, they begin become very nervous because in my experience, I've met a lot of people. So when I start, I say, I'm not going to start with my bio. I'm not going to start with anything. I'm just going to tell you that I studied your company and I can save your company this many dollars. At that, that, is, that was generally my first sentence early in my career. You know, I had three or four sentences before the guy gets aggravated. I said, what, I have things to do. I said, no, I can earn that much money. Now, if you come in and said, if you give me $20,000, then I'll find some money in your company, you're gone. So I would do a lot of research before on the business as an expert and figure everything out of that company and know it from A to Z before I walked in. And the guy would generally say after 50, did you work here? I said, no, but I did a lot of research. And then what can, what can, how can you prove it? I said, I want to be paid. Pay me when it works. So it cost me nothing. No. And how much money they get? Maybe $50 million, $5 million. Okay. When can we start? Can we start tomorrow morning? I said, we can start today. That's how I got my LinkedIn profile. That's a fantastic story to give advice to any CEO listening to this, right? Like, I, I didn't invent anything. I learned this in the marketplace of Mahakesh in Morocco. They have, you can learn this in the marketplace in Shanghai. You can, this is very traditional thousand-year-old discourse. I learned that as a student in Morocco, you go, for example, you're standing there and the guy says, hey, buy some of my food. And I, that's Western. Say, hey, some of my food. Take this free. And say, I don't want it free. No, take it free. You don't even have to buy it. So then you taste it. Good. But you didn't pay anything. You pay after. And if you go to any market in the world where you have the good salesmen, they'll say, hey, you like my chicken? Here, taste my chicken. They always have something. Taste it. You like it? Buy it. You don't like it? No, 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 no. And they'll be giving the, that's, this is thousand year old business. First, you show it the person you can do. And then you ask for money. But if you start asking for money immediately, maybe you won't get far. That's why I never, we, we, I never had it to raise the fund. I was never a really a real startup. I had money from the start. The interesting question I also want to ask, like, why do you decide to partner with IBM at that time? Because at one point, projects are too big. I always wanted to have only a small company with a small team so we could all go home early and yeah. have a family life. And for big projects, you need big people. I'm not a big project person. I'm a big algorithm. I can solve almost any algorithm in optimization we want. And I'm not a, I'm not a, and that's where you have to know who you are. Elon Musk doesn't know that he's not a philosopher. Okay, that's a very good. But I know that I'm not Elon Musk and I cannot scale corporations like they do. Okay. It takes very big talent to scale. And usually the people that scale are not the people that do the algorithm. Okay. The people that do the algorithms are people like me. They're just intellectual. But then scale, you need these people. Like at one point, we had all these customers a few years back. This is a, I, we did this in we're out of small bet family, but license too much. And we started the business a few years ago. I said, I have too many customers, too much. At Disney, I have the railway road manufacturers, airplanes. That's, that's too much for this little guy that's writing algorithms. I need to bring someone in. So I always want with these big corporations that they know how they have the project managers. They have good structures. They will say, okay, your idea to give it this nice idea, but we have to put this in a contract. 
we have to write it down and to be, how are you going to check this? Are you going to do that? You need IBM. You need Microsoft. You're not going to do it by yourself. So you can always have these ideas, but then oh, you have to go into this society. You have to go, and they know better than you do. I learned a tremendous thing with, of course, they take a big share of what you're Like people are going to sell on Amazon. They have the bookshops. They sell. Amazon takes a lot of money, but it's Amazon. They know how to sell. We don't know how to sell. Yeah. They're the richest people in the world. They, know, they, they began selling books. And, and look how much the learning selling books compared to a bookstore. And now bookstores go in to Amazon and sell old books because he knows how to scale. So I'm comparable to a bookshop. I don't know how to scale, but I go to people that do know how to scale. Uh, that's, that's an amazing answer for giving tips on how business leaders can start thinking about digital transformation. I think you um, remain, remember identity, yeah. remain who you are, but don't go beyond your window. Don't undersell yourself because you're worth that much. But don't oversell yourself. Stay where, where you cook at it. And don't try to go over because you're going to burn your weight. Yeah. You're going fast. And once they burn fat, it takes a long time to pay the money back. That's really true. I, I'm also still learning at the same time. Now, it's a fantastic podcast. Maybe some, uh, Maybe some last question? Yeah, we could go on forever. I think the last question is that you have given so much for the listeners out there. What is it that you want from the audience? I know that you now you have a lot of business. What is it that you, what is your ask for this podcast show? Like people. So from the audience, when I was, when I began my career, we were speaking about IBM. One of my first customers was the crocodile, Lacos. Oh, famous t-shirt. Yes, yeah. I bought one of them as well. I know. In fact, it was my first big corporate customer. Okay. And they helped me a lot. The top managers were old. I was like 23 and a half. These people were like 40, 50, and they liked me and they gave me a lot of information. They would come to my office and they'd say, here's how you have to organize the schedule. Ah, you're a creative person. You have to sell also. So you have to make it into a product. You need documentation. And they gave me this advice free. So all I expect from the audience is maybe question and help them do like people did for me in early in my career. Because you learn a lot when you explain things to people. You understand who you are. And you have to clarify a lot of ideas. So what I expect from the audience is just a lot of questions. Okay. Because when you answer the question... Yeah. You have to clarify your mind. You have to make it into something in a manufacturing process from something intuitive to something clear. And then it helps me write articles or books or programs. All right, cool. So to the audience out there, if you have any interesting questions or burning questions, feel free to contact Des Rotman on LinkedIn. What else can they actually contact you? The only place I really look at is LinkedIn. Okay, great. Because I limit my time on social media, and then I go quickly back to real life. Sounds like the matrix you kind of pull away from the like illusion. Or exactly. Exactly. It was really nice talking to you, Dennis. Yeah. Exactly the place to be. Thank you. Sure. Thank you for today. And uh, let's catch up again. Have a good day. Okay. Thank you. You've come to the end of part four with Dennis Rothman. And this is the end of the podcast series with Dennis Rothman. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If this is the first time you are tuning in, remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. 
See you later and see you soon.